All right. We're looking at sell-high players. The buy-low show went too long, so we're cutting it now. These are five sell-high players in fantasy basketball. Mikhail Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and whenever I hear the Orlando Magic theme song, I get groin spasms. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangio. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, go to fangio.com slash locked on to get started. Thank you also for making locked on fantasy basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. So, I don't think this will be a regular thing where I split the buy lows and sell highs into um, a single sh- uh, into single shows, but because I had a long five-minute diatribe at the beginning of the buy low show about the purpose of these shows, and if you haven't watched that, please go and watch that before you talk about this sell high show or leave comments or whatever. I know you're going to, but just go do that anyway. They'll probably be combined as we move forward. So let's talk about sell high players in fantasy basketball after the first, what, 14 days of the NBA season. We will start with a player that I love, that it has taken five years for the NBA to come around on, to know that he is good and he is valuable and he is precious and he is amazing. And that is, of course, Maximum Derek White, who is a gigantic sell high at the moment. Why is he a sell high? Not because he isn't good, not because he's going to lose minutes, not because he isn't a starter, not because he isn't one of the Celtics' best players, because all of those things are true. Why is he a sell high? Well, it is. It's it's actually just as obvious as dogs balls, isn't it? That's how much it sticks out. Because Derek White at the moment is 68th in fantasy points leagues, averaging 33 fantasy points. That's cool and all, right? I don't think he can hit that number. I don't really think he's hitting 33. He's ranked 18th on Yahoo. He's 28th in minus one ranks, and he's doing that by not being a good scorer. 15.8 points with four rebounds, 4.3 assists, 1.3 steals, and 1.3 blocks. Amazing. Derek White's a great shot blocker. He's shooting 65% from the field. He is shooting 58% from three. 58 from three. He's at 80% from the line. So we can look and say, well, Derek White's going to get easier shots because of the players playing around him. Sure, whatever. You can you can believe that. That's okay. Um his usage is at 16%. I expect that that sticks. He's only playing actually 30 minutes a night, so there's room for that to improve. I do not believe that Derek White will continue to block 1.5 shots per 36 minutes. That is a, I think, 30% increase on last season's numbers, and it will be a career high by a significant margin. I think probably almost one of the best guard numbers of all time, if not the best. So that's probably going to come down. Can he average 1.3 steals? Yeah, he probably can. His steal numbers have actually been 0.8. What Actually, steal numbers have been low recently, 0.7, 0.9, 0.7. So he's basically double some of his recent steal production numbers. But that's not even what we're going to focus on. Because he's hitting 58% from three. He's hitting 73% from two. Last season from three, he was at 38. The year before that, he was at 31. The year before that, he was at 35. I think he's an okay shooter. 
literally nobody is this shooter. Nobody. He's also at 73 from two. Cool. He was 55 last season, 52 the year before that, 49 the year before that. So when you're running at low usage like White is, and I don't really expect that to change, and your overall field goal percentage is at 65, and then that comes back to, let's say, 48, your 16 points per game become 12 points per game. If your blocks go down to one per game instead of 1.3, well, you're nowhere near the top 20, the top 30, or the top 50. You might be 80th, you might be 90th. And there are going to be stretches where he's 180th because he runs goes on a run of shooting 30% from three and 40% from two. And when you are a low usage player like White is, those changes in efficiency can really impact a lot of what you do. So what would I sell high on Derek Whitefoot? Again, go back and listen to the start of the buy low show to hear what I'm talking about here. I think that White, best case is probably top 75 this season. If I could get any sort of top 60 player back for Derek White in a trade, I would do it. And when I say top 60, it's not top 60 to date. It's how you project them moving forward. So if we harken back again to the buy low show, if I could trade Derek White and get Zach Levine, I'd do it. If I could trade Derek White and get Jalen Brunson, I would do it. If I could trade Derek White and get Sabonis, Trey Young, Carl Towns, who all ranked well below where White currently is, it's an easy yes. You probably can't do it, but you've got to at least look into it and understand there is going to be a sizable drop in what Derek does. Sizable. Because the path to bigger usage isn't there. The path to much bigger assist numbers really isn't there. The path to more defensive stats isn't there. So unfortunately for Derek, looking sexy with his little shined up bald head, the only way is down. Let's go to Portland. This one's an interesting one, and that is Shaden Sharp. Because Sharp was a guy that started the season coming off the bench, and I was like, where is the pathway for him to do stuff this season off the bench with Simons and Scoot and Grant and Aiden? Where's the pathway? And then Simons goes down after one game, Scoot goes down after three games, and Sharp's just playing every minute in the world. So the pathway was just two guys getting hurt. He's averaging almost 35 fantasy points so far this season, Shaden. That's 59th in Yahoo Leagues. I just, I don't really see how we expect him to be at that level. I've got him at around 30 to 31, so it's not far off, but not there. Like as an 80, 90 sort of ranked player. I do believe that once he comes, once Simons and Scoot do return, Sharp is going to probably stay starting over Thibault, but then that becomes more opportunity for other players and the minutes will drop there. Now, with a guy that is benefiting from other injuries, you can't wait until those players return to trade them. Sometimes you have to take a short-term hit when you will definitely lose the trade in the next three weeks or however long it is until Simons returns. You determine when you're going to do this for Sharp. But he's playing well. He's playing tons of minutes. And you understand that if you trade now, you will probably lose for three, four weeks. But over the long term, you should be gaining value. He's averaging 20 points with six rebounds, three assists, a steal, and almost a block. He's shooting 45, 38, and 81. So those numbers aren't like too crazy. They're not like, wow, he's just dominating with huge percentages. That's not really what's happening. He's also not getting gigantic usage. In fact, his usage is only at 21. And I think he stays around 21, 22. He's shooting pretty well. In fact, but his two-point percentage is down. 
One thing I would note is that his free throws were 71% last season. They're 81% this season, but over the last three games, they're down at 75. So is he an above average free throw shooter or is he below average? Last season tells us he's below average. The last three games leaned more into that, but his first four were strong. If I have a look at his first four games, he was one of one, two of two, four of five, and four of four. The last three games, there was a one of three game in there, which does drop him, but there was a um, 10 of 10 and there was a six of seven. So maybe he is an 80% guy, but it is worth monitoring. The other thing is he's playing 39 minutes a game. And honestly, once Scoot and Simons comes back, is he going to average the three assists when he averaged one per game last season? Is he going to average those 39 minutes? Will his usage drop? I would say that, again, watch what you're selling for. I think that he is probably going to be a top 100 player uh, as we move forward. But there is going to be efficiency shakiness at times. And then that usage and ball handling and minutes load, he might only play 35 or 36. And that's an important thing to look at when dealing with the value of Sharp as we move forward. Let's go to the future MVP in um, Washington. It's a good place to go. In fact, actually, you know what? I don't, we won't do that now. We'll do this now instead because today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's never been a better time to get in on the action. So you can go throw those money line bets. Maybe you do want to bet once again against Shaden Sharp and the Portland Trailblazers who lost and gave the Grizzlies their first win over the, the last game, which was on the weekend. Do you want to do that? Maybe, maybe not. But then you can use your money line uh, bonus bets that you get back, 150 bucks, on spreads, on player props, on futures for the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl, um, for Tua to win the MVP, for parlays, for whatever. It's all there over on Fangio. So go to fangio.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fangio is an official partner of the NFL and don't forget to gamble responsibly. Okay, that um, now... Now we can go back in and talk about the future MVP, Kyle Kuzma. As I'm just, this day off has really thrown me. Things aren't, aren't working right in my head. Um, Kuzma. Kuzma is, granted, doing things that I did not expect. I did not think that Kyle Kuzma would be the guy who would lead this Wizards team. I knew he'd get a big boost in shot attempts, but I didn't think that he would be the guy that was just doing everything. But that is exactly, uh, that is exactly what is happening here for Kuz. Kuzma, at the moment is averaging 36.55 fantasy points. To be honest with you, it's not that far off my total fantasy points projections for him. I've got him at around 37, around that top 50 mark, uh, maybe even a little bit higher. I've been a little bit annoyed by the minutes where he's playing only, what's he actually playing so far? Um, 28.9, which is really low for absolutely no reason. I don't, yeah, I don't, that fantasy points number is about right. But if his current production levels drop, and then the minutes stay the same, that will not be great. He's 50th on Yahoo for category leagues. He's 59th in minus one rankings, and there are very, very clear reasons why. He's averaging 24, six and a half, and three. Cool. That's all. Looks reasonable, yeah? Um, 0.2 steals, 0.5 blocks. But he's shooting 50% from the field. 50, 5 0. He's shooting 35 from three, and he's shooting 80 from the line. In case you don't have the numbers in front of you, let me tell you what Kyle Kuzma did last season 44.8 from the field. 33.3 from three and 73 from the line. The year before, was it any different? No. 45, 34, 71. How about the year before that? 44, 
3669 giggity. So he has historically just been that player, that true shooting 54, 55% player when he's up at 58 for this year. So you can see there, 58 true shooting, 54, 55 the last two seasons. It might not seem like much, but it is. He's also running at 31 usage and 34 usage over his last three games. Now, again, there are shots to go around with Beal and Porzingis gone. I just don't know whether Kuzma is going to be the guy to be just dominating the shot attempts the way that he has for every game. Three times he's gone 20 field goal attempts this season. A 21, a 20, 21, 23, and 20. And then two of the 20 games, he's shot 52% and 60%. The balance of probabilities, he also scored 20 points in every game this season. The balance of probabilities for Kuzma would, would suggest that if the volume stays that high, he's just not going to make shots at this volume. There is, a, there is going to be a level of dip that has to come. So currently running around 50th, if I could get a top 60 or 70 guy back for Kuzma, I would do it. There is still a chance that the usage holds at 31%. I'm not really convinced that it does, but it could. I'm fairly convinced that he doesn't shoot 50% from the field as we move forward, hitting 58% of his twos. He's also at 45% from three over the last three games. I just don't think any of that stuff holds, which will drop his overall numbers down. And you know that when someone gets into a slump and shoots poorly, people overreact to it. So while things are rolling at the moment, you're worth, it's worth considering whether you cash in on coups because it will be harder to do that at a, at a later date. This one is one that I wanted to include just for a couple of reasons because I, I really should have spoken about this when I talked about him the other day. And it's not Scott Barnes and it's not Cam Thomas. I'm not putting them on the sell highs because A, I'm not sure it's worth it. I think you might as well just roll with it and maybe there are some of those things that can stick. What I am talking about is Midwest Dylan Brooks, Lou Dort, who is dominating. And I said, look, maybe I got it wrong on Dort. Maybe he should be a must-roster player. Um, he's playing really well. And I actually got sucked in by just looking at some rankings and current production from Dort. Went, Man, like, he's killing it. Like This is amazing. He should be rostered. He's averaging 27 fantasy points. That's 110th. So, so that's not actually amazing. Um I've got him projected as like a 21-22 fantasy point player, so I think he's going to drop off from there. Yahoo's got him ranked 43rd for the season so far. Minus one rankings would have him 66th for the season so far, but I've never seen redder flags in my life because my projections just have him well outside the top 150, and I'm not about to go in and make significant changes based on a couple of things here. He's averaging 15 points, four and a half rebounds, one assist, one steal, 0.9 blocks. So let's just look at that. 4.6 rebounds. Okay, fine. Why that can stick, no problem. One assist, sure, that might even go up. One steal, absolutely, bang on, knock it out. 0.9 blocks, well, he's never been that guy. He's averaged 0.3, 0.4, 0.4 the last three seasons. But sure, maybe he averages 0.7, 0.8 blocks. That's totally reasonable. This man, (laughs) this man is shooting 56% from the field, 51% from three, and 81 from the line. Do you want me to give you the numbers? 39 last season from the field, 40 the season before, 39 the year before that. It is very, very fair to suggest that Lou Dort has pulled his head in and is taking better shots. Totally reasonable. His usage has gone from 23 down to 19.6 down to 16.4. Commendable. Love that the usage has dropped. That's all cool, right? But there's just no way. There's just no way I'm buying Lou Dort as a 51% three-point shooter. 
He was at 33 and 33 the last two seasons. Let's generously say 37. That's still a 14 percentage point drop. He was also a the worst finisher last season in the NBA on twos. Worst. 44% on twos. 49 the year before that. 43 the year before that. Currently running at 62. Just not going to stick. Even if we give latitude for an improvement. Let's say he's a 49% shooter from two. That's 14 percentage points again that are going to drop. So I was like, man, Dort's killing it. I misevaluated. He should be must roster. There's no way that this shit sticks. So yeah, roll with it if you want. But there's just... There's absolutely no way. There's no, and, his, and his numbers are really heavily influenced by his last two games. Where he shot 60% from the field, 6 of 10, and he shot um, 9 of 12 for 75% the last game. Because the games before that, 3 of 7 for 43%, 3 of 7 for 43%. The game before that, guess what? I'm not on repeat. It's 3 of 7 for 43%. And then he had a 9 of 13 game, and then the first game he was 3 of 8. So he's had four Lou Dort games and three what-the-hell-is-going-on unbelievable shooting games. And that's bumped all of his numbers way up. He's also somehow attempted 12 free-throw attempts in the last two games, which has helped his numbers as well. And he's at 81% from the line, whereas last season, what was he at from the line? Yeah, 77. He's not a bad free-throw shooter, but he's a little bit up there as well. There is just no chance of this three-point volume and this three-point shooting sticking at this level. So you can roll with him, but it is going to hit, and it is going to hit pretty hard, I would think. If I could get any top 100, shit, any top 120 player back for Lou Dort, I would do it. So when I said, yeah, maybe I was wrong, maybe I was. But I'm also not, because there's no chance that this stays. It, I can fully, fully believe that it has improved, and I've actually projected him to improve relatively significantly, like two, three percentage points on last season. I think that's that's reasonable. He might even do more than that. Not 17 percentage points. That's just not realistic to happen. Um, yeah, that's yeah. It's just, it's just not. It's just not going to happen. Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. You don't have to worry about salary caps and going against sharks and pros and spreadsheets and all that sort of stuff. You just look at player projections and you choose more or less. So you just hit the more or less button. That's it. Up to six players, minimum two. You can win up to 25 times your entries back. And now with basketball season here, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports. For example, you can have a LeBron James-Travis Kelsey combo, which sits at 10.5, and it's combined threes plus receptions. See if they're going to go over that? Go in. Put it up. No worries. I love them using Travis Kelsey there to try and grab SEO hits from the, uh, the Kelsey bump. It's also got quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types. It what it's what makes Price Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So go to PricePicks.com slash locked on and use the code locked on for a first deposit match up to hundred dollars. That's PricePicks.com slash locked on NBA. The promo code is locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to hundred dollars. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And then. The last one we're going to go through here, the last um, sell high. There were a couple of others. There were obviously many. Now, in the buy low, I should have mentioned this well, I didn't cover everybody. Same as in this sell high, I didn't cover everybody. Nick Claxon, good buy low. Denny Avdia, pretty interesting sell high. But we're going to go to Philadelphia. And it's not Kelly Oubre. It's the thick hogsman, Tobias Harris. Because while he might be a TH, he's also a gigantic sell high. Now, your immediate reaction without looking at the numbers might be, 
Yeah, but Harden's gone, Josh, so he can keep this up. It's not a sell high. Yeah, but it is. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because it is always about digging into the numbers. I think that Harris can be a top 50 player this season. He's actually 58th in fantasy points leagues. And one, one interesting little trick for category league players, look at fantasy points numbers. Because fantasy points numbers on Yahoo aren't as, they're not as um, prone to the fluctuations the percentages cause in category leagues. Or the weird like you've gotten two blocks per game instead of 0.5 blocks per game. So when you see like a guy like Harris, whose fantasy points are at 34.53, and you go, oh, okay, well, why isn't it that high? Like I think he's like a 70 sort of fantasy points guy. He's a little bit higher, like 1.52 points. But his category rank is 24th on Yahoo. I've got 31st in minus one. There's reasons for this. He's averaging just under 20 points per game with six rebounds, 2.7 assists, 1.3 steals, and 0.7 blocks. And all of that looks fine on the surface. It's where we dig in. He's shooting 63% from the field. He is shooting 40% from three and an unbelievable 73% from two. So even though Harden isn't there, his usage is low. It's 18.6. Hasn't even hit 20 yet. Has he even had a single game where he's hit 20 usage? One. He's been in 20 usage in one game against the Raptors, 20.4. So Harden's absence hasn't changed really anything for him in that regard. Last season, he was 18 usage. This season, 18.6. Last season, he played 33 minutes. This season, 36. Nick Nurse effect. That sticks, right? But Harden not being there doesn't mean you go from a 57% two-point shooter to a 73% two-point shooter. It just doesn't. He's not Shaq. You're not finishing at 73% on twos. So he's at 63 from the field, 40 from three, and 86 from the line. His free throw attempts, and which is a part of the usage calculation, has gone from 1.7 to 4.7. Now, there is a possibility that that does stay. But again, his overall usage is the same. Part of that also is turnovers are up too, but it's all the same calculation. He's getting the ball and he's finishing possessions at the same rate that he was. So more free throw attempts, way more which helps that free throw percentage impact. Whereas last season, Z score, he was 0.37. This season, 1.79. Because he's hitting at a high level, but doing it on big volume. And then his field goals, which is insane, obviously. 72.9 on twos, up from 57 and 53. So let's say he goes, let's say he hovers at 60 on his twos. Pretty reasonable. Still a 13 percentage point drop, which drops his scoring, drops his field goals. And currently, he's number one... Um, Sorry, I said his um, free throw percentage Z score was uh, 1.7. It's not. It's 0.7. His field goal percentage is 1.7. And last season, it was zero. So he's gone from a bang average field goal percentage guy to one of the best in the best in the business. That's just not going to hold. And he hit 50% from the field last season. It's just not going to hold. You drop that, the scoring drops. Maybe he becomes an 18-point guy, a 17.7-point guy. Maybe the usage does increase. But his number one category is field goal percentage by a huge margin. 1.79 Z score for that. The next highest is free throws at 0.69, points at 0.63, and steals at 0.66. Just massive differences. That's going to drop him down. So if I could get any top 35 player for Harris, I would do it. And if I can't, I just write it out. I think he's a 50 to 70 sort of player moving forward. But this stuff is not Harden related. It just isn't. And remember, Harden's played zero games for the Sixers this season. So it's not like, well, Harden's gone now, so now we'll see it increase. He hasn't. It's the same stuff all season. And that is the end of the Sell High Show. Follow this um, podcast 
on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on Odyssey, and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.